0: And welcome to the third edition of the Prize Fighter Podcast with me, Steve Bunks. Now, the blood, sweat and tears for Michael Sprott's win in heavyweights four are still fresh at your call. The ring apron is damp, to tell you the truth, but we're already in full swing for the next one. Yes, the super featherweights will make their Prize Fighter debut in the same East London ring at your call on Saturday, November the 20th. And among them, yes, you guessed it, is the Mongolian warrior, Choi. It promises to be another fantastic evening of action. A sellout, no doubt. And I'll be running the rule over the first fighters confirmed in the lineup. Looking back on the heavyweights, it had its moments. Sprott's win was heroic and emotional. Also, Matchroom Sports' Eddie Hearn joins me to talk about both the heavyweights and super featherweight prize prizefighter tonight. Plus, with the Hay Harrison fight less than a month away. Eddie he gives us the inside track from inside the Harrison camp at Altitude out in California. There's a lot of secret stuff going on. So Michael Sprott is the latest man to lift the Prizefighter trophy and pocket the 32 grand after he finally got a W next to his name. ...against Matt Skelton. It was a hot old night at York Hall, to say the least. It was the hottest I think I've ever been at that dirty old venue. I love it. It was still a dirty old venue. The sellout crowd created a fever pitch atmosphere... ...and Sprott rose above it all to take a step towards a major title shot. There's plenty happening on the horizon, I can assure you. Let's hear from him now. First, talking to the press after his win... ...and then on Sky Sports News along with his trainer, Jim Evans. What is it now for you? You're being
1: Maybe European or, um, or go for um, a world title, hopefully. Uh, maybe a defence with the Kushgers or David A. Are
0: you, are you going back to Spa with them for the Chisora fight? Huh? Are you going back to spar with Vladimir for the Chisora fight?
1: Um... But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, probably, probably, if I get called out, yeah. Sorry, sorry, so does it, says, it make up for your defeat to Aldley, a bit of disappointment? Yeah, i, I was disappointed enough, that fight, um, okay, it, it, it does, um, you know, make sure that luck a bit, and, with it, and it, I, I, I think I deserve uh, an, a big shot, I mean, I was a lucky... I got caught with that shot. Revell has a fight, and I was very ahead in points. Um, so <laughs> you you know, like I think this, makes make it up yeah. to a certain degree. you
2: would like to fight
0: the winner
1: of Hay and Harrison. Really. Hay and Harrison, or um, you know maybe defence with, uh, with with the Kishko, maybe.
3: Michael, what was going through your mind when your name
1: was called when you realised you'd won? And you looked absolutely delighted when you'd overcome. Oh, I was, I was over the moon, you know. I knew, I knew, I knew it, was, it was a, a close fight, but I thought I just nicked it. I knew I just nicked it, um, and I was. I every moon all, all I was thinking about is uh, what's next what, what are you going to do with the money invest it <laughs> nah, what are you going to spend it? Nah, invest it gonna, invest it in? huh? you invest in? or something you know yeah yeah. And what do you think will happen when Hayes fights Harrison? I've, I've, um, you know, Hayes should win it. He should win it, you know, um, hands down. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ollie uh, catches no. him because he always finds that shot from somewhere. No. So um, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight. I reckon if not whilst it. Last, I don't think he the points at all. Yeah. Well, will yeah. I so, you've had, it's been a, a, a tough couple of years for you. I mean, what does it feel when you win something like this? The emotions. Are? Oh, it's,
4: it's, it's,
1: you can't. It's nothing. There's not feeling like it, you know. It's, it's, uh, you feel like all the hard work you've, you've done, and you know, my career's been like a roller coaster. And uh, I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot of things from my career, and uh, I think uh, I think something good had to, to come. You know, after that all you fight, I thought well, I got to win prize but. And um, I was so focused and, and um, you know, just, just determined to win, but sensibly. What's, what's been with the Klitschko's training with both of them don't you? I've seen a lot, you know, uh, they're, they're very scientific. I've learned a lot from watching, watching them and they've um, they, they brought me on uh, to be a stronger, stronger character. Are they encouraging themselves after sparring <laughs> when you've chatted you to like them? Yeah, 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 you know, just encouraging. And you know, he told me to experience. Like, I mean, i got caught broadly, he's 10 minutes, 7 yeah, he like, you know, he's been for the same thing, and I will come back. So you will know, I'm, come I'm back. I'm a tough yeah. cookie, he says, you know. Did you speak oh, yeah. to him before <laughs> this, the <morning? laughs> No, I didn't. I did speak to him before um, the um, Harrison fight, but um, no, I never got to speak <laughs> to this fight, But he did send <laughs> his wishes and said that, you know, to go and win. Michael Sprott's
0: <laughs> trainer. Jim Evans says he saved his career by winning prizefighter at the weekend. Evans says that Sprott's victory over Matt Skelton could open up the door again to another European title shot as he prepares to do some more sparring with the Klitschko brothers. Michael Sprott and Jim Evans have been reflecting on Sprott's prizefighter win and
1: both boxer and trainer agree that at 35 Sprott's career is now back on track i won it and it's brought me back up there again, so to give me that a chance to maybe fight for a European again, or um, go on to maybe make a defence, or someone's about
4: a title the David A or the he's you and the weekend has basically saved his career?
0: Oh absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So it's up to me there to sort of um, try and negotiate a meaningful fight for him and, look, and we'll move forward.
4: Sprott trains at the gym at Evans Back Garden in Berkshire, but he'll soon be heading off to Austria to
1: spar with the Klitschkos one time in November um, to, to go out and inspire them. But it, it's a great experience. I mean, they're, they're so, they're so like, they're like it's, it's science to them. I mean, they, every, every, single, every single corner, everything, everything they do is just like, you know, it's amazing, amazing. Just watching them and learning, it's, uh, it's, it's great, it's great. Michael Spott's got the best left hand in the game, the best jab going.
0: And, and when Michael Spots on fire, you do have a job to lead his jab. He's very fast, very powerful. You know, and uh, he, can it, he
4: can keep me going all night. And they love him for his joke. Yes, he can! Yes, he
0: can! What about
1: Harrison Lee Hay, though? Audley says he can, and Michael agrees. I would definitely say David Hay. But at the same time, and I'll say this, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Audley pulls up his, the, 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 the mystery punch from somewhere.
4: Spot knows all about that, of course. It cost him a
0: European crown, but now another chance could emerge. If Derek Tazzola is going to fight a Klitschko for the world title, then, and let's say Michael Sbrock was to win a European title fight,
2: why can't Michael
0: Sprott box, box for a world
4: title?
2: Sprott has dedicated his prize fighter win to his late sister Jeanette. He'll do the same if he ever takes that European crown.
0: What can you say about Jim Evans? He's had the last two winners. He's had a couple of semi-finalists. He seems to be, if you want to get on in prize fight,
3: Red, you've got to sign up with Jim Evans. I love Jim Evans. He's, he's a great guy, he? you know I mean? I, 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 I worked with him a little bit on the Sprott-Harrison fight and I was, you know, as, as much as I wanted Audley to win that. It was, it was heartbreaking to see Michael lose, considering how well he fought. And of course, he brought Patrick Mendy to the show. You know, masterminded a great, a great victory for him, and now Michael Sprott. And, you know, he's got a couple of decent fighters there. Sprott, Sprott's back in the heavyweight division.
0: Now, he wasn't very happy, though, Sprott and Jim Evans before the show when someone told them that to parade in the ring. I'm told that uh, Sprott and Evans were kicking up alarming. Do you know anything about that, or uh, is that uh, a secret?
3: I don't know a great deal about it. Sprott's probably more of a sort of season's campaigner yeah. than a lot of these people taking part what we tried to do with this prize fighter we were are trying to get more of an interaction with the crowd and it worked so i think so yeah. i think you know and the bottom line is is as we know it wasn't the best prize fighter mm. but the bottom line is, is on the final bell of the final round, there wasn't one person who left. No, and not just that, listen, I had some debates on the
0: night and some debates since then with people who said, oh, it was rubbish. Well, actually, no, overall it wasn't a vintage price fight. We both agree, no one could disagree on that. End. But if you take out some highlights, okay, and you look at them, and I'm thinking, the very first round, the very first bout, Ali Adams against Skelton that was sensational the two of them were standing off Skelton looked like he's never looked to be honest with you then in the second he came, he comes on and takes over and then in the third Ali Adams cheered on by all those guys up in the balcony he comes back at them so when you look at that you think actually that wasn't bad and then you look at say Danny Hughes against Sprott Spot breezes. He beat Skelton comfortably. I thought he cruised through against Shane and Phil. no problem at all. But actually, against Danny Hughes, Danny Hughes was making him look silly until he got cut. So that's another thing to look at. That incident with Kevin McBride and Skelton, when McBride legitimately dropped him, so much so that after the fight, Matt Skelton says, I did well to win that when you consider it was a 10-8 round. And Ed Robinson interviewing him on Sky says, no, it wasn't given. And Skelton looks at him like he's mad. So when you actually look at it that way, Ed, Instead of doing overall, you look at a few individual performances, it wasn't by any means the, no, the worst no. prize fighter. No,
3: you're right. I mean, listen, one thing prize is always going to bring is excitement and controversy. Yeah. I think we've been blessed in the past <laughs> with. Sport is the word. Yeah, sport <laughs> with, with prize fighters because, you know, the Super Bantamweights, weights, the Rogan heavyweights, the Audley Harrison heavyweights, great, great shows, you know, and they've all been 10 out of ten. This was yeah, probably yeah. more like a 7. Sure. You know, so. But, you know, I think at the bottom line is we've got a great winner. Um, it gives what Prizefighter is all about is giving people a chance, whether it's a chance back or a chance forward. Um, and it's given Michael Sprott a huge chance back. Now, we're going to drop down now
0: uh, 5, 6, seven, eight, nine. In, in In Kevin McBride's case, we're going to drop down about 12, <laughs> 13 stone yeah, to the Super Feathers. And let's not, you know, I'm sure the lineup's not complete, but one name is on the list, and it's a name that people have been calling for for a long while, I'm not going to try and pronounce all of it. All we know him is just we the just Mongolian need to say Choi. <laughs> Choi. He's a well. He's like Pele. He's Choi. Was it difficult getting Choi to come to the table? Well, you know,
3: I didn't know a lot about Choi, and <laughs> and, and I've been reading, you know, East Side Boxing for probably about six months now. And when we announced the Super Bantamweights, there was a campaign to get Choi, Choi in. Is. I didn't know anything about him, so I went onto to YouTube, had a look at his Choi, and I couldn't believe what was going on at these venues. You know, with Stay Spencer in. and Hard Knocks promotions and stuff like that. And uh, I think the super bantam weights was probably a bit too light for him at yeah, the time, but they, they, they would have probably tried to get him there.
0: Oh, but, they
3: would have, yeah. But Spence told me, you know, next time you do a super feather weights, you've got to have Choi. And Choi really emphasizes what Prize Fighter is all about Mongolian warrior. You know, you need that warrior spirit in Prize Fighter. I think that the smaller weights provide a better style of boxing for Prize Fighter. Yeah, the bigger right. weights seem to provide more interest from the general public, but the hardcore boxing audience, I think, are going to enjoy the, the smaller weights more and with Choi involved you know one thing is you're guaranteed you guaranteed a, a war on yeah. fight on November the 20th
0: a war and a crowd that appreciates it now it seems to me and this is a problem we've got down here in London is that your call's fantastic don't get me wrong and it's the spiritual home of boxing it's definitely the home of fire. but you needed more people the other night that was it was October wasn't particularly nice weather and inside it was stifling it was mm. as hot as I've ever been it was capacity plus as I call it because a few jibbers managed to get themselves in what I mean first say the Super Feathers could you do 4,000 tickets do you reckon if there was a perfect venue for 4,000
3: yeah yeah possibly I think that I, one thing I like in any sport we do or any promotion is the word sold out yeah, there's like nothing that, that feels better than that and the heavyweight sold out of a week to go we're in a tough economy at the moment. We're in a tough time. We've got to give the punters value for money. And when you see them all there till the very end the other night, that gives yeah. you satisfaction. And that means to me that people are getting value for money. So, yeah, we could try a bigger venue, but I love the York Hall. and right. I, I love the bare pit atmosphere. And When you've got Choi there and you've got all his fans up on that balcony... It's going to be a real bare pit atmosphere. Hopefully, in November 20th, the temperature will drop a little bit because, like you say, it was like a sauna in there.
0: But they'll, they'll come in first. They'll yeah. come. I think it's bare they wear. Yeah. They wear bits of bare. Well, boat, definitely it, be boy. hot then.
3: You know.
0: <laughs> Listen, Ed, stick with me because uh, we're going to talk about Aldi Harrison and David Hay. But first of all, we're going to hear from Aldi. The sky cameras tracked him down up into the mountains. It's snowy. It's gorgeous. It's Aldi in California.
2: Heavyweight challenger Audley Harrison is currently in California preparing for his
3: WBA world title fight against great rival David Hay next month. Our reporter Craig Slater managed to infiltrate the camp and revealed that Harrison's pre-fight regime was
4: a well-trodden path.
2: Floyd Mayweather Jr., Oscar De La Hoya, Shane Mosley and Lennox Lewis have all finalised their preparations up here on, on Big Bear Mountain. And if I take a little step to the side just to take a look at this spectacular view here... You can get an idea of why they all come here. You can see Big Bear Lake over in the background there. The marina of Big Bear City, population five and a half thousand. It's coming to the end of the holiday season here. So this is a quiet place at the moment. Not many
4: folks around. This is um, a professional um, training environment, you know. Sugar Shade Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya, even Lennox Lewis. I think Nazim came here once. Um, I've trained here seven times Big Bear, never lost. And obviously training in London with the distractions. This is a real camp with a real team, and um, we're putting in our work early morning. About to do our hill run, and you know, time for joking. You know me; I, I joke and mess around. Good afternoon, Britain. Love you all, but it's time to get serious. There's bears on on these there hills, and uh, this is
2: the kind of protection you've got to have. Let's let's take a look. Let's let's take a look at this. It is legal. It is legal. we've got to bring, Can we bring it out, Shadid? And just take a look, and it's loaded as well, presumably. But but. Uh, in all seriousness, we are in some clear and present danger here. Could we be? Oh, yes. Yes, uh, we definitely are. You know, there's bears and mountain lions and all kind of things. We're in the wilderness. You know, we, we, we're really taking this fight seriously, and this is what you do. You, you know, come, uh, go away from home
4: and go out to the wilderness. And we're in the mountains with the bears. And so I got something for If one of them run up on us, a mountain lion, because it has been known that they, they are here. They will attack you.
2: This is all about high-altitude training. If you don't know too much about altitude training, it really benefits athletes in two main areas. On the one hand, it buffers hydrogen ions. Now, that means you can combat lactic acid in your muscles much, much better. And for a muscle-bound guy like Audley Harrison, the danger is that you know lactic acid could pile up during a fight. It could tighten up and that kind of thing. So this kind of training is beneficial for that. The other area, of course, is in terms of uh, the way oxygen is recycled round the body. Having done this camp, done it properly, how much better does that make you feel, you know, when everyone else steps out between the ropes and you're left face to face with Hay? Oh,
4: listen, I've got no fear about David Hay. David Hay, like I said, where I come from, you get me? Remember I was born, I was born in the streets, came from a broken home, went to a young offenders institution, turned my life around. I've got nothing to fear from David Hay. I've seen real people on the streets. I've seen real people in the boardroom, and there's nothing that David Hay brings that I fear. We're seven and a half thousand feet
2: above sea level, so that really is a grueling, grueling one. But it's fantastic altitude training, and I'm sure it's made him hungry. And of course, you can't fight on an empty stomach, so nutrition and diet are very important in the run up to a big fight. Is he a fussy eater? Difficult to cater for? No.
1: <laughs>
2: food is food, yeah. as long as it's healthy, you
1: know. So, yeah, porridge, the fruits, we have scrambled eggs.
2: That's it, really. Give us an idea, Israel, how, you know, how tough is he to be in the ring there and sparring
4: with? Oh, no, no, he's tough, he's tough. We got we to gotta make sure we're eating right to keep up with him. <laughs> so, yeah, we leave everything in the ring and in the gym and we come home and it's just relax.
2: We're asking the question here, who's the puncher in this fight? Um, as far as you're concerned, uh, are you the puncher in this fight? You look at him as a cruiserweight that's come
4: up to heavyweights. No, David's he's definitely shown that he's a puncher. You yeah? have to give him respect, he's definitely a puncher, he can bang. Um, anyone who's got any sense will know that my left hand is equal to his right hand. So I believe I'm a bigger punch than David. I believe I'm more accurate than David. And the big difference is I know, I know I can take David's right hand. He cannot take my, my left hand. Trust me. He's going to land at some point in this fight. And David hey, we're going
0: to see. Hey, no, that's Audley there. And I've got to tell you, he sounds like he means business.
3: Yeah, I I tell you, I watched the whole thing on Sky News, and over the last sort of two weeks, I've noticed a real change in his personality. Um, leading up to this fight, things have got very serious. You know, there's there's of course there's tension because he knows this is this is it. This is yeah. his shot, and he's absolutely cutting no corners whatsoever. Spending a fortune on on different bits and pieces. You know, we've got a lot of uh, great stuff that we're using that we're keeping quiet, and you know, I think that. Um, the sparring partners is, is using, the facilities he's got up there, he's got lodges, chefs, all that kind of stuff. It, more and more every day, I, I've always believed that he can do it. And when we made the fight, I've always believed that, that, that he could win this fight. But every day now, and more and more people coming out the woodwork saying, Yes, he can, yes, he can. You know, I, I just believe it's his destiny to win this fight. And the way that he's going about his preparation, the way that he's going about his training, the look in his eye, makes me really believe he's going to do it
0: and of course David Hayes gone off the radar I mean he's the champion he can do what he likes and you know you're not in charge of him but he has gone off the radar hasn't
3: he I think David Hayes popularity has soared mm. downwards you know <laughs> in, 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 the last, in the last few weeks and people are just looking at Aldi Harrison saying do you know what this guy's alright you know all he's got is a dream to be heavyweight champion of the world and that is all he's got you know, the bottom line is, is he represented this country in the Olympics. He won gold medal for this country. I've said it before, again, again. He made mistakes along the way and he slipped and he fell and he slipped and he fell. But he's always got back up again. You know, and he's never stopped believing. He's never stopped trying that all he wants to be is heavyweight champion of the world. And you can't knock that with someone. You know, and I think that the way that he's planned this, the way his belief is about how, how much he can beat David Haye, David's totally gone off the radar I don't know I'm mean, i hearing all kinds of stories coming out of his camp and not all of them good no not at all you know I'm hearing some bad stories coming out of Mm. his camp things are going bad you know and and so forth and I think that it's going to the week two weeks before the fight when he's going to start to realise that people are behind Audley Harrison for this fight you know I think that's going to put even more pressure on him
0: I, one of the things that's disturbing me coming out of the David Hay Camp is just how many different people now you have to quote-unquote contact to get close to him. Mm. It's got to a ridiculous situation. I mean, uh, over, I mean, I've got at least five or six new contacts to speak to before I need to speak to David Hay. I speak to David, I call him at his house, I'm not bothered. But it's quite, that's, quite, that's not good. Mm. If you're trying to get hold of someone and you're getting some new name who then you have to speak to, that's absolute rubbish. So when does all come back to the country?
3: Well, I'm going out there on Saturday, actually, to Big Bear to see him with Sky and some journos, and they're filming some sort of 24-7 type stuff. Oh, great stuff. He's coming over on the 25th of October. He'll come 18 days before the fight. Haymaker were insistent upon that. Yep. I think they've done that to try and handicap him a little bit from from the training the attitude, but fair enough. Um, And he'll be over, he'll spend 10 days in um, London, and then he'll shoot up to Manchester for final preparations. Uh, And will he do as much media stuff as he did when the fight was announced then? Is that the plan? I think so. I mean... We're trying to slow down that as much as possible. But, but he loves it, doesn't he? He does. But we've got an obligation to Sky and we've got an obligation to Haymaker cool. to do a similar amount. And actually, you know, um, one of the things that Adam Booth insisted upon on the contract negotiations was that both fighters do an equal amount of press and PR. Well, David actually pulled out of a lot of the, the yeah. that last time we were there. So that's okay. You know, and, and David is, from what I've seen, he's, he's unprofessional. Um, and I think a lot of the way they run their promotion is unprofessional, but that's okay. You know, I, They've done a great job to, to get him to heavyweight champion of the world, whether you think he deserves it or not. I think he was given a bit of a gift, but they manufactured him, they got him there, and he deserves what he's got. But on November the 13th, we're going to take that away. We're going to see it. It's certainly going to be a good night. Ed, thanks very much indeed.
0: So it's the Super Featherweights next, and to be honest with you, I've been waiting a long time for this one. In fact, anything with Choi in it. you know, I'd go on a bus if Choi was on the bus. He's that kind of entertaining fighter. And confirmed to join Choi on November the 20th in prize fighter, the super featherweights, the first super featherweights, is Scott Lawton, Stokes Scott Lawton. Now he found in the British title challenge at lightweight. He dropped down the super featherweight and he also found in a European a challenge at that weight, but still a proper contender, still a good name, a classic kind of prize fighter name. Now he'll, he'll also be joined by Belfast Kevin O'Hara, who lost in both a British and a Commonwealth super featherweight uh, tilt, but is a dangerous fighter and a, a very much a live wire, the kind of kid that comes out of a su- prize fighter super featherweights as the winner and jumps straight back into European title. Fight and then also joining them, Gary Buckland, a former British and European challenger at lightweight, lost in the 11th round to John Murray. And one guy wouldn't surprise me if he showed up you know, in the ring on November the 20th was sitting a couple of seats away from me uh, for prize Prizefighter Heavyweights 4. And that's Stevie Bell, former Commonwealth Games boxer, former England regular, a regular also on Coronation Street, starred in a movie many years ago, made appearances in Shameless, also fought for the British, I think the Super Featherweight title. And I could see Bell there. He wouldn't be drawn on whether he fancies it or not, but I've got a sneaky feeling his name could be added to the list, okay? The list with Lawton, O'Hara, Buckland, and Choi. They're the confirmed four. Belly's on the outside, and I think there's as many as 10 or 11. I think Eddie Hearn told me earlier on, there's 12 more trying to get in. That's what it's all about, prizefighter. People want to be involved with it. They know you go on from this, you've got a chance of jumping into a British title fight, a European title fight, and if you're in a European title fight in this day and age, then that's the fight before you get a world title fight. That's the way it works. That's it for this Prize Fighter podcast. Uh, we'll be back soon with more ahead of the Super Featherweights night on November the 20th. There will no doubt be some choy. Can the Mongolian Idol do it? Scott Lawton will be in there. Don't worry about that. Kevin O'Hara will be in there. Gary Buckland will be in there. And there'll be four more. Who knows who's gonna be in that lineup? Well, of course, Big Oldly's date with Destiny against David Hay on November the 13th. This fight is about to become enormous. We've got an epic out there. You know when you look out your window and you see something big on the horizon, you know what that is? It's David Hay, Audley Harrison. I'm very excited about that. Until then, you know my name. I'm Steve Bun.